there was a part of me that was like, I don't want to leave this life that I've worked so hard for behind. Hey everyone, welcome back to University. I'm Anne-Marie Chiresso, your host. On today's show, I'm talking with Alexa Nicole Cucciata, who courageously shares her story about surviving cancer her junior year of college. And I hope that this inspires you as you face some upcoming challenges in your life. I know that this has been a really challenging time for us all, staying in shelter in place and lockdown. And I was really excited to talk with Alexa and hear about her story of perseverance. So let's join my conversation as she tells us about who she is and what she values. I'm a student currently at Fordham University, and I'm also an artist from way back when, when I was a child, I used to always paint. I used to design my own clothes out of paper. Like I was very, very creative my whole life. Now I am a recent commissioned artist, painter, and author. I'm now a published author. I'm also a cancer survivor, which is really cool. Okay. How old are you? I'm 22. Okay. Holy shit. That's a lot of labels already. I know, it's kind of crazy. I don't know where to start sometimes either. I'm like, well, I'm really kind of complex. <laughs> okay. So start with your favorite label. If it's just one, it's just Alexa. That's my favorite label. <laughs> I love um, that. We could take it back from when I was a kid. Cause that's where I guess my life started where I started to actually understand who I was. Born and raised. Yeah, tell me, tell me, okay, you're born and raised where? New York City, Manhattan. So from a very young age, I was exposed to a lot of diversity, a lot of creativity, fashion, art, just so many different cultures. And that gave me a big taste as to what the world was like Mm -hmm. and what life was like. I would take classes at the Fashion Institute of Technology, the Art Students League. It was very, very into art. And then when I was a junior in high school, I ended up creating jewelry because here I am taking my passions in art and creativity and using it for myself to make something that I can wear. And um, I ended up starting an accidental business. (laughs) So I'm also an entrepreneur. Yeah. I would say ambitious is the <laughs> arching quality I would use to describe you so far. Yeah, and um, I found a lot of joy in that, and I really like the business side. So this is also the time that I was applying to colleges, and I decided I really wanted to study fashion and business. So off I went to Marist College up in Poughkeepsie, and then at 19, I had this crazy thing happen to me where I just started to really not feel well and I didn't feel like myself. And I started to have a lot of this unforeseen anxiety, a lot of fatigue, night sweats, rashes on my body. And then all of a sudden, uh, second semester of my sophomore year, 
I had this huge lymph node the size of a golf ball pop up on my collarbone. I'm like, what is this? What is weird? I had a very bad feeling about it. And I'm usually never sick. My parents only fed me organic food. I was very active on a track in high schools, played soccer, didn't even go out and like drink with the normal college kids. And that was like a, that was something that was very typical. And I was just like not into it at all. So I was like, okay, like what's going on here? You said out of nowhere, it popped up, like literally? Literally in class, I was sitting down in class and I put my hand on my neck. I'm like, what is this? And I turned to my friend I'm like, do you see this? She's like, yeah. I'm like, do you think this is cancer? She's like, stop it, Alexa, you're so healthy. So that's so bizarre. Like when you think about it, because a golf ball is a it was relatively huge. large. It was huge. Yeah. And, and like you went to bed one day and then you wake up the next. It's sort of freaky. It was during my night class. So it was like 5 p.m. This just happened. And I really wasn't feeling well that whole day. I was feeling very funky. So then I proceeded to go to the nurses and they took a bunch of blood work and at school. The school yes, nurse. School. They were like, oh, maybe you have mono. Because you know. There's a lot of germs on campus. You're like, no, you actually don't have mono. You had it before. It says that you already had it. So we don't know what this is. Maybe it's just an infection. Go to the doctor at home, but we don't think it's a big deal. Like, oh, okay. So I went to an ears, nose, throat specialist at home in Manhattan. I did all these different tests. Everything just came back negative, 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 negative. And I'm like, well, this is weird. So then I tried to get down to business. I'm like, well, maybe there's something else going on. So I went to a holistic doctor and like, we're like, oh, like we tested. I did have some mercury in my body. So I'm like, okay, like maybe it's just like from the mercury in my body trying to fight off something. Then it was still- So wait, 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 sorry. I'm like, my mind is still like, there's a golf ball on your collarbone. Why isn't anyone saying, no, this is weird. And- in the back of your mind, are you starting to relax? Like, you know, at first you get something like this happens and you're like, well, maybe it's cancer. And then you get all these tests and nothing's coming up, you know, alarming. So then are you going, well, this, I just have a bump. There's nothing to worry about. Like, what is your mind doing in all of this? So what the doctors kept telling me was that it was probably just a swollen lymph node and it just swelled and it just wasn't going to go down. So then I was like, okay. But it was really bothering me on the day-to-day, like going to the gym and stuff, where it would get in the way when I would feel it, and it's very uncomfortable. But deep down inside, I knew that there was something wrong. I, mm. I knew that it, I was not okay. And what confirmed this for me was a lot of certain spiritual things <laughs> I started to experience, Yes, um, where... I kept seeing pennies and dimes everywhere. And I'm like, this is really weird. This is insane. And ladybugs would start to come on me. I would put my hand in my pocket and then I would take it out and there's a ladybug on me. I'm like, okay. So I immediately thought my grandfather, who had passed away from cancer a while back, was trying to communicate something with me. 
So I'm like, okay, like maybe this is because either like something is trying to communicate with me and tell me that I'm on the right track where I'm going to get this awesome internship, which I ended up getting this very competitive internship at a young age, usually sophomores don't get internships. I'm like, yes, I'm with a really good fashion company and my life is going to take off. So I'm like, it was either that or something was up. My life is going to change in some other way. So then the summer came and I still had this lymph node. I'm doing all these massages to try to drain my lymphatic system, <laughs> but nothing was happening where it was going down. I went to my aunt's house and she was like, Lex, you should seriously get that checked out again because you shouldn't be having that there. And she had thyroid cancer. So it was very alarming to her. I was like, I know, I really do want to, but I like, like, I don't know what else could be done. What else do I see now, right? Yeah. Like I've seen everybody. So um, my internship had ended. I went on a vacation with my whole family, this big family reunion. And I'm thinking I'm healthy and I am just living my best life right now. I'm getting prepared to go back to school. I'm going to go abroad with my friends. I just had this awesome internship. And then we get back from the vacation. Can I pause you for a second? Yeah. Are you, so earlier you said you were having like night sweats and you weren't feeling great leading up to when you noticed it. Was some of that still going on or what was going on there? The night sweats, I didn't know that that was linked to the cancer that I had. I thought maybe it was because I was sleeping with a lot of layers on and then I got hot during the middle of the night. And then I thought the anxiety and the fatigue was, you know, like I'm a student, I'm I'm studying really late at night, going out on the weekends with friends. Like I wasn't getting much sleep. So every doctor was like, oh, it's just a normal college thing. Like, yep. You can write off all those symptoms. Yeah. But still like deep down inside, I knew there was something funky. And um, the last thing that I really wanted to do and my parents wanted to do for me was put me under the knife when I didn't have to be under the knife because there's a possibility that you can die if you have surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we went to another ears, nose, throat specialist a few weeks before I was supposed to start school again. And then he was like, I do not like the size of that. I don't like where it is. We have to take it out next week to see what's going on. I was like, okay. I'm like, well, next week is the week before school <laughs> starts. Uh, so I better move in all of my stuff into my new apartment before I start school. Because <laughs> here I am thinking I'm going to school. Like, it's nothing, right? So I moved everything in and then I had my surgery and I knew something was up. The first words that I remember saying or screaming actually after the procedure were, is it out? Is it out? Like I just, I just woke up to me screaming that. Really? Yeah. And I feel like subconsciously, I probably heard the doctors maybe talking that it was (laughs) bad, (laughs) a bad situation. They knew right away. I have, I mean, I don't. No, because I was... <laughs> you were under, right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, not sleeping, but I was under anesthesia. But they were like, yes, it's out, you're okay. And at this moment, I felt like something was about to happen that was very bad. And I couldn't... Just even, feel it. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't move because I was in so much pain. I was like, what is going on? And they bring me back to the center where all of the patients who just got out of surgery are. So I was just in the waiting area. I was very, very groggy. My parents handed me the phone with this worried, concerned look on their face. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, hello? 
like, it's, it's Dr. It's Dr. Godin. I'm like, okay. Hey, <laughs> he's like, um, how are you? Uh, this and that. I'm like, I'm not doing too hot. I can't move right now, but I guess I'm okay. Um, he's like, your parents don't want me to tell you this, but I have to, um, let you know that there is an 80% chance you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I'm like, wait, is that cancer? And he's like, it is, but it's curable. And I just blacked out. Like everything around me just stopped. Like, I don't even remember what he told me after that. I was just like, I'm like, that's impossible. I'm looking around me and I'm the youngest person in this waiting room. And you're telling me 19 years old, I'm unstoppable. No, this is not possible. I've helped me my whole life. Why are you telling me there's an 80% chance to have lymphoma? Like, no, 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 no. And I immediately thought I was going to die. I'm like, you're, you're giving me this death sentence. How can you be giving me this death sentence? I'm like, this is not the life that I plan to live. No. So here I am in the back of my head. I'm like, no, I'm going to beat this. Like, yeah. Well, like, I'm like, it's not happening. Like, I'm, if this is true, like, I'm going to beat it within the week I have between now and my pathology report coming back. <laughs> right. Oh my um, gosh. Here I am thinking that I have to go back to school. Like, I'm like, no, like, let me just email my professors and tell them, like, oh, I just got the surgery, but I'll be back next week and trying to get all my work because I'm a very serious student too. I take everything very seriously. And, um, then the pathology report came back a week later. That was my first week of what was supposed to be my junior year of school. And it was confirmed positive. You have Hodgkin's Holy lymphoma. Holy cow. Like, you start chemotherapy right away. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is a joke, right? Oh my gosh. So fast that's happening. And in the midst, you've got like this whole life plan. Like I'm traveling abroad. I'm moving into this apartment. I've got all these other plans. This is not part of my plan. Yeah. I was like, nope. And I was like, I'm, I'm supposed to be going to, to Florence to study fashion. And I'm like, how can you be telling me this? I'm like, no, we're going to make this work still. But, okay, but you're saying this to me now with this, like you have this giggly, bright, joyful spirit. <laughs> Well, I've always had that. Right. What were you like in that moment? Oh my gosh. I did not know the extremities of chemotherapy and what it actually meant to have Mm -hmm. your life at stake. I thought that it was just like a little shot I was going to take or a little infusement and I was going to be fine, done. I can go back to school. I, in the back of my head, thought that chemotherapy was not going to be intense. And I thought that I was going to just go into the infusion center and then I could right after just travel back up to Marist and go to class. Seriously? I'm not kidding. That's what I thought it was because here the doctors are also saying, Oh, like it's a good cancer. Like if you want to get cancer, this is the one you want to get. Like it's not as bad as the other cancers, but I, I, I still didn't know what it entailed. There was a part of me that was like, I don't want to leave this life that I've worked so hard for behind. I wanted to still be on the same level as my peers. I still wanted to graduate. I didn't want people to think of me differently. That was the main thing. I did not want anyone to view me as someone different. So I really wanted to stay at that level that people knew me as like a hardworking girl who sets goals for herself and achieves them. But the reality was I had to put myself first and take my health seriously. And, you know, at 19 years old, you don't really understand that either. You want to go back to hang out with your friends and just be this normal kid, right? Yeah, of course. Unfortunately, that wasn't the plan that 
was meant for me here on earth. And that's not what God had planned for me either. What Were you scared at any point? I was so scared and it didn't really start to hit me until I started to visit oncologists and I started to hear the side effects of chemotherapy and what I was actually going to entail. So when you start to really inform me of the realities of the toxicity of treatment and what it was going to do to my body, that's when I was like, I've had it. I'm like, I wanted to give up before I even started. And that was the scary part. I'm like, this is stressing me out and making me so scared. It was really, really, really hard for me to just get myself through it. But Thank you for saying that and like acknowledging that part, right? Because early on, like ignorance is a little bit bliss. Like you don't really know what's coming. So like, oh, I'm going to get this little thing and then I'm going to go back up to class or I'm going to... And so once you get the real information, it really sinks in and it's scary mm-hmm. and but it starts it, to rock you at your core. Like who I'm this hardworking person who accomplishes lots of things. Yeah. But it tests you. It's a big test in life. And it was a big test in life to allow me to see what I could and could not do. So like I could have given up so many times during this fight to life, but I didn't. And now that it's over, like I feel like a warrior. I'm like, well, any, I can do anything now, you know, I'm like, I got through the worst part of life. Now I can do anything. Um, but backtracking to that moment I was diagnosed. And after that, like I had to start doing all these different other treatments and procedures and like fertility treatment and giving myself shots for the first time in like my stomach and my thigh. What is going on here? Like, I don't want to do this. And then having my friends text me, Lexa, where are you? Why aren't you in class? You're supposed to be here. Like, where are you? Like, I just didn't want to talk about it because I I was very afraid and I didn't even know what to tell them. You pulled Um, yourself out of school, right? And yeah, I was going to try to do like some online classes, but after I was like halfway through like fertility stuff and doing other procedures, I'm like, I can't even focus right now on my own life. I'm like, I'm literally moving so like everything is moving so fast that I can't even figure myself out right now. And I can't even breathe. And I keep having no sleep and panic attacks every day. I'm like, I can't do school right now. Although I really, really want to, I'm like, I can't do this. Wait, how was that for you giving up school, right? Because you had a plan and it must've been heartbreaking. It was extremely, extremely heartbreaking. It was scary, but then I centered myself and I put myself down and I'm like, no, like you might have to give this up, but school's always going to be there. Like you can go back to school don't think about it right now, but Alexa, you're going to use this time now to educate yourself differently. You're going to use this time to understand what life is about, why things happen, um, spirituality, mindset. Like you are going to learn about the human body, mind, and soul. And you're going to do things that you would have never done before if it wasn't for this. Like you are not, I was like, you're not going to let this control you. You're going to try to figure it out and do something productive so you don't get depressed about thinking about things that make you sad. Which, although I did think about school a lot of times and I was extremely, extremely upset and I suffered from depression during this time too. But it makes sense. Yeah, because no one understood what I was going through either after I started to open up about it. I lost a lot of close friends and I felt like I didn't really have the support that I wanted and needed. 
Hey guys, you're still here. I hope that means you're enjoying this episode as much as me. And I want you to know I really appreciate you. And today I have a gift for you. You see, right before coronavirus hit, I launched my new brand and I was really excited to launch my new online membership community for young people where we gather weekly online for 30 minutes to practice meditation, connect with one another, share, and get some live coaching from me to help navigate everyday life stresses. With all that's currently going on in the world, we're all so much more stressed and likely way more disconnected these days. So I've created a space to connect intimately and authentically so we can support one another as we navigate these crazy times. You know, originally I was offering these memberships at a low monthly rate so it could be accessible to everyone. But in the spirit of all that's occurring in the world right now, I feel inclined to offer this for free to any young adult in or just out of college. So if you or someone you know could use a place to be seen, supported, heard, and held in community of like-minded folks, I hope you'll take advantage of this invitation. Like I said, it's a monthly membership. You'll have four opportunities to connect per month and you can drop in whenever you like, no obligation. To register now, head over to annemariechiresso.me or text meditate to 474747 and I'll be on the lookout for you. Welcome back to university. You're listening to my conversation with Alexa Nicole Cucciata. We've been talking about her cancer diagnosis and how she became familiar with the voices in her head and trusted them and how she came to terms with the realities of her cancer treatment. Let's rejoin the conversation as we talk about how Alexa's struggle relates to how we're all feeling these days. I'm seeing so many parallels between what's going on in the world now mm-hmm. on a global scale and then what happened in your little micro world, right? Just your little Alexa world. And like this idea of losing friends and being away from people. And I mean, it was like your own shelter in place. I was literally sheltered and isolated. Like I couldn't even go outside too. So like this whole entire quarantine thing that we're experiencing right now, like, like, you know what? It's going to pass. Yeah. I got this. Been there, done that. I learned so many things through that very hard experience that I went through, but it made me stronger. It made me realize what I should be focusing on in life. And like, even like the friend part, like, okay, like if certain people are not in my life during quarantine, like that's okay. That's cool. Look at all these awesome people who are coming into my life. Like that's what cancer taught me too. Like, although I lost some of my very, very close friends that I considered like sisters or like cousins, like very, very close, like my gal pals, right? So many other people came into my life that were placed there for a reason to actually help me get through this. And they're closer to me now than I would have ever thought before, but they were like little angels that were placed in my life. Perhaps a lot of young adults would see that side because they don't hear of it, you know? Well, sometimes it's hard to see it when you're in the muck yeah. right? or when you're in the thick of things, but it sounds like I'm going to say this word to you and I hope you don't get offended. Let me explain it further. But like, it sounds like you're really stubborn. Like you got this great Italian stubborn quality to you. Like, all right, I'm not going to let this break me. Like, you know, our stubbornness can be a really useful tool in times of uncertainty and crisis because 
you can use that. My daughter's very stubborn and I love it about her because she can use it on the one side to like get into depression and anxiety and frustration and when things aren't going her way. But at the same time, she can use that strong will to will herself out of those same experiences and will herself into positive thinking and focusing on the good. And it sounds like that's what you did. I was down that rabbit hole a lot of times. And but was, you got yourself out. But it was so hard to get myself yeah. out. And when I was so down deep, I wanted to just give up. And I was like, I don't think it's ever possible for me to get out. Um, yeah. Say more about just, that because that happens. I mean, so many people suffer from that. Like, it's yeah. not possible to get out. What was it like in those moments? Oh, man. You know what I think really allowed me to just stay in those moments? It was self-comparison and not actually accepting the motion of what I was going through and accepting my life. Like not understanding that my life is is on a different path than a lot of my friends. And at the end of the day, everyone has their own path in life. And this is a moment, yeah, you're going down this really dark hole right now, but there are going to be lighter days. You just have to believe in yourself. You're experiencing this so you can learn from it. Yeah. You know? But that's easy to say on the outside, uh, at the back end of it, when you're all out. Yeah. In those moments, it's so the, hard. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think what I ended up doing was just like getting off of my phone and just reading mm -hmm. scripture. I'm not kidding. And I grew up Roman Catholic, went to church all the time, but like I never felt connected to anything. And right before this, I actually told my mom, I'm like, mom, you know, I don't believe in this stuff anymore. Like I want to be a Buddhist. I just can't. Like I don't connect with it. Like I don't understand it anymore. I'm like, there's so much more out there. But something happened where I just reclaimed my faith and I actually started to see that there are so many different parallels within scripture and then things that I was experiencing. And that's what really, really got me through it. That's amazing. So you really dipped into your spiritual side. Oh this. yeah, big time. That's what a gift that is. Yeah. And have you maintained that? Or have you still maintained your mm -hmm. relationship to your spiritual side? It's like, you know, I, there's religion and there's spirituality. I don't know how you define those two. Like I'm both religious and spiritual. But I feel like I'm a little more spiritual because I see things differently. Like I see different perspectives. It's not just cutthroat rules. Like right. I think that there's more to life than just following rules. I think life is more about leading out of love and leading out of faith that something else greater is out there. Like, I don't think you should be confined to a certain religion. I think like if you just know that life is full of love and energy and I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but just knowing yeah. that you, if you lead and live out of love, you'll receive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what you put out there, you get back. Yeah. And it's about trust. For me, spirituality is really about a deep practice of surrender and trust. Surrender, yes. And so if you believe this about everything in life is about love, what was the love in your cancer? I feel like it was perhaps supposed to teach me how to love myself. It's really taught me to love myself and to practice loving myself and this body that I was gifted with. Like at the end of the day... I realized that the life is just about creating relationships that are going to like bring love, like honing in on those who are going to make you feel the best version of yourself. And like when I was going through cancer, 
And after cancer, I hated myself. I hated my body. I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, who are you? And it really and truly, it's not until these past two months that I've actually started to like love my body again. Because what chemo did to me was totally rid me of the body that I was used to. I have scars everywhere. I have like both from my surgeries and from the toxicity of chemo. I lost all of my hair. I turned gray. I was totally losing control of my body and what I looked like and just everything about me, my, my whole entire identity I lost. Yes, but your identity. Realized, yeah, but I realized what I didn't lose was my soul. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you'll never lose. And as we go on in life, I realize we're bo- our bodies are always going to change and we have to come to terms with them and like learn to love the body that we are given, like I said before, and know that like life is just a process and like these things that you go through, like... I used to always think of myself like as like an older person. I'm like, I'm never going to look young like this, right? So I'm, I'm always going to be changing. So I have to learn how to love myself through the way. Well, this is a Buddhist philosophy of impermanence. Yeah. Everything is impermanent. Mm-hmm. And so the less attached we are to these things, the more at peace we are mm-hmm. when we accept the impermanence of life. So, you know, I'm 50. I'm starting to go gray. And it occurred to me a couple of months ago, when my grays started to appear, and I'm later than most of my friends, holy cow, like when my hair all goes gray, that brown stuff is never coming back again. Like it was this weird wake up call. Like I knew it was happening, but then I I didn't quite connect the two. Like gray means never again, this other way I'm used to seeing myself my whole life. This idea of impermanence, when you talk about your hair went gray, but now look at it's a beautiful brown right now and your hair you lost all your hair and here it is grown back and it's beautiful. And this idea of this too shall pass, like to Mm. be able to understand that at this early stage in your life is such an incredible gift. Yeah. I think it's because I made that choice to start to change my mindset and shift. There really weren't a lot of people out there my age doing this, but I was like, you know what? It's pretty like, radical at your age. Thank you. I'm like, I, I want to try to be that change. And like, that's actually why I started to write or why I wrote and published my first book. Cause I'm like, there are more people experiencing this. Like, it's not just me. Although I did feel like I was the only one when I was going through this. And so people started to open up to me, which was really weird about like their own personal stuff. Yeah, people, not weird. Amazing, actually. It's kind of remarkable it how is remarkable. vulnerability was the key to healing. That's the most brilliant quote of all time. Vulnerability is the key to healing. It's absolutely the truth. I remember I I went through a kooky crazy divorce many many years ago, and I like you had my life sort of planned out and figured out, and I was going to do it in a particular way, and then that didn't happen. And yeah. people would say, how are you? And I would say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm great. And well, like, that actually wasn't true. I wasn't at all fine. I didn't feel fine. But when I started telling people the truth, mm-hmm. which was, I'm not actually fine. I'm pretty, you know, screwed up over here right now. Yeah. Then when I led with my vulnerability, others stepped right in with their own. So it's exactly mm-hmm. the same experience that you're having. And it's such a brave thing to do because it's so scary to show yeah our vulnerable side. We don't know what's going to happen when we do that. So what a gift. 
It's funny because when I had this idea of writing a book and I told my parents, they're like, you really want your story out there? Like, you really want to tell everyone what you went through? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, my soul's telling me I have to do this, so it's going to happen. I'm like, um, trust me. They're like, mm, okay, Alexa. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Really? Yeah, they were like, I don't know. Okay, so you um, seem to have this really intimate relationship with that voice inside you. You know, that still small voice, like you heard it early on in the cancer when you're like, no, everyone's telling me it's okay, but there's something inside me that knows something's wrong. Yeah. And then this voice who told you to write the book, have you always had a relationship with that voice? I mean, I think it became more, or maybe I acknowledged it more once this all started happening. And it kind of scares me now because sometimes that inner voice says things that I don't want to hear. Yes. But then I'm like, wait, the inner voice is always correct. Yes. It's like a little scary. I don't think it's like a psychic thing or anything. I hope it's not. I just think I've really created this connection with my higher self and like my guardian angels and they just guide me. Yes, that's and absolutely like, right. Yeah, and like it's funny because even my mom's like, Alexa, you, you see all these things, and you have all these signs, and you see these numbers, and you have these intuitions. She's like, why am I not seeing them? I'm like, because you're not opening yourself up to them. You're absolutely like, right. You're there. I'm like, life is guiding you. Life is literally, it's already planned for you. You just have to trust in it. And like, even with this whole entire Corona thing, like the second it, like I had to come home from school and knew that I was going to have the whole semester off and I couldn't have my graduation, this and that, I didn't get upset over it. Cause I'm like, it's out of my control. And like, there's something else that's supposed to happen during this time that's supposed to be better for not only myself, but like for the creative collective consciousness and like for everyone in the world, like we don't know what it's going to be, but something greater is going to come out of this. And yeah, like a lot of bad things are happening during this time. I know a lot of people who've passed and gotten sick from it. It's really, really scary. But like at the end of the day, there's just much more light, excuse me, much more to life. So So how do you think that COVID crisis is here for you to learn and grow? Have you figured that out yet? Or have you found, have you gotten any good nuggets yet? I feel like the crisis is here to allow me to hone in and to craft my message and to really figure out what I'm supposed to be doing with this whole entire mission that life has set me on. Yeah. So there's like the, the BC Alexa, right? The before cancer Alexa, who was going to be in fashion and had this whole plan of doing all this stuff. And then you get cancer and it wakes you up to this other thing. Yeah. And, And then you write this book the power to persevere, right? Mm-hmm. And you publish this book at 22 years old, you're in school, you're accomplishing a lot. Now coronavirus hits and you said, uh, you know, I'm here to continue to hone. Yeah. So you keep going like down and in deeper, right? Into like mm-hmm. your, your message and yourself. Yeah. Cause I know there's just like something else in there that I'm not tapping into. I just have to find it. What do you do to find that? What do you do to get in? I'm trying to learn still. I've known that. How do you listen? How do you listen? To like my intuition? Yeah. I am a meditation teacher and I teach meditation. And one way I teach getting into that voice is by a meditation practice. And I have a deep relationship to my own inner voice. And 
meditation is what is the bridge between the outside noise and the inside stillness and the inside wisdom, mm-hmm. how do you access yours? I feel like I just have to be still. Mm-hmm. What I tend to do is just practice deep breathing and just be still and in nature too. Like mm-hmm. nature really helps me. And like even being out here with my grandma in the suburbs outside the city is really allowing me to just connect. And that's something that I wasn't planning on having during this time. But then because it did happen, I was like, aha, this is perfect. I've been craving this. I've been needing this. The hustle and bustle in Manhattan just wasn't allowing me to just be still. I was always doing something. And it's like this stillness allows me to generate these, I guess, ideas or like just tap in a little bit more and understand myself. But I mean, I am only 22 as well. (laughs) And I have to remind myself of that all the time. So like the answers won't always be there, but um, just acknowledging that I'm working towards it is like the first step. Just being still is the first step. And yes. Yeah. Just being still. I mean, for me, it's also nature. Say that again. Committing to the stillness. Committing to the stillness. Yeah. You have to commit. You have to first say like, I'm going to do this. Gosh, you're right. You first have to commit. Yeah. Yeah. You have to decide to devote yourself to some sort of practice of stillness. So you're a unique 22-year-old. What advice would you give others in a similar place in their life who don't necessarily have the same relationship to trust the way that you do? What, what advice would you give someone who's trying to figure their life out right now, right? Like, I'm still trying to figure my life out. <laughs> well, do you remember that time? Remember when you were in high school, heading to college, or just the early stages of college, and you're like, what classes do I take? And I want to do the right thing. And there's, there's all this noise from the outside world telling us what this prescribed sort of formula for success is. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know, based on life experience, that we can plan all we want, and then life throws you a curveball, and then you have to throw out those plans and adapt. And that's, that's what you've had to do at a very young age, which has contributed to so much wisdom and grace you have. Thank you. But without that experience, what advice would you give someone who's kind of just figuring it out and scared, right? Like everyone's afraid they're going to make the wrong decision and they're going to do the wrong thing. I don't think there's any wrong decision that you can make. I feel like any decision is the right decision. Like you said, you just have to adapt. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is hard one because I was that girl too. I mean, I thought I had my life plan, but I was still stressed. And I was like, I was still unsure of anything that I was supposed to do. But I, what I kept doing was just staying true to myself. And I knew that I liked what I was doing with this little business, this little side hustle that I started. And I just, I made sure that I kept that on my to-do list and I didn't really care what anyone else said or thought I just like stayed true to like what I felt my feelings were okay like continue to do this because it makes you happy so I feel like doing things that make you happy if they're not going to hurt anyone else super simple brilliant advice I'd love it so what's next like okay you're graduating how are you dealing with the losses around senior year 
right? They're not going to have some of the experiences that you probably imagined you were having. Yeah, I mean, it's not really affecting me that much because I feel like I already lost like the normal college experience. And even like when, so I went to Marist for two years and then I actually ended up transferring to Fordham last year. And during that time, I was still healing from chemo. I still had my short hair. I just got my port taken out of my chest. I could barely even walk to class. I didn't know who I was. So I couldn't go out with friends or anything. So it was also like very difficult for me to even have that like college life that I wanted to. And it made me upset. It really made me upset. But then why did you go back? Why didn't you just wait till you were I feel like I needed to get out of the house. Like I just needed to like continue my life again because me staying at home was just allowing me to just stay in a cycle of Yeah. I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah. So I just needed to like make a change for myself. And I needed to start my new chapter in life at a new school. Like I made that decision very spontaneously. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to go to Fordham. <laughs> like I felt very at home and at peace there. And I loved the community and I'm just like, yep, yeah, it's happening. After I transferred, I, that's when I started to just write my book and start to really devote my time to things that my soul kept calling me to do. And like, it just doesn't bother me now that like, I didn't have that like normal college experience because that's not what I was supposed to do. I feel like in the long run, I don't know. Does this make sense? It makes total sense to me, but in the moment it probably can feel uncomfortable because yeah. everyone, there's all the FOMO, right? Everyone's doing something different and I'm missing out. There's always some level of FOMO we're all experiencing as humans. Yeah. I feel like you could have the FOMO, but then you can also say like, Hey, maybe I could be doing something else with my time. Yeah. It seems to me like you've built this website you're selling your book, you have, you're speaking, like, is this the path you imagine putting all your energy into now? Or is there something else you think you should or want to be doing? Right now at the moment, this is what feels right. So continuing to spread my story, continuing to help others through my vulnerability, continuing to inspire others through how I've been healing myself, staying healthy and just, I guess, like, quote-unquote, persevering. But I really don't know what is going to happen next. But planning on speaking at a few schools and stuff like that, I would love to just continue to inspire and ignite other people's fire. <laughs> uh, themselves. I love that. Did you did you just say that right now, or is I that a thing you say? Now. Yeah, I just said that right now. <laughs> continue to inspire and ignite other people's fire. I love it. I feel so excited for you. I know you're going to go out in the world and like inspire and light other people's fire. I love that. Thank you. And what a gift you are to the world. I think everyone's a gift though. Yeah. They just have to believe in themselves. Absolutely right. And it's because you are stepping into your gift that others will too, you'll be a beacon for others to have. That's my hope. I just got the chills. Did you? Yeah. That was my conversation with Alexa Nicole Cucciata. We've included all of her social media handles in the show notes. And if you're interested in buying her book, hop on over to Amazon and grab Power to Persevere. And thanks, Alexa, for your power to persevere and your strength, your wisdom, and your courage. Now, for some homework. 
One of the big lessons I got from Alexa is a reminder to trust your inner voice. Trust yourself above all. And this is not always easy to trust our intuition, our inner voice, our gut, because the noise from the outside world is so loud, we often don't even hear our inner voice. You know, we hear each other say, go with your gut, trust your instincts, follow your intuition, listen to your inner voice. That all sounds great, but it's not always that easy. There's so much external noise and internal conflict. The question always becomes, how do we access or listen to our own inner wisdom? When you can tune into that inner wisdom, you can make better decisions, faster decisions, solve problems with greater ease, and really live a more fulfilled, happy life. So there's a ton of ways you can learn to tune into your intuition, your gut, your inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it. But today we're just going to try out one that works for me. And you guessed it, it's a stillness practice. I'd like to walk us through it together right now. And at the end, I'll offer you a quick hack to see if you're listening closely to your intuition and you'll need a coin for the hack. So if you need to pause and go find a coin, go ahead and do so before we begin. All right. So bring yourself still, whether you're sitting or standing, it doesn't matter, but bring yourself still, feel your feet or your seat firmly rooted into the earth beneath you. Relax your shoulders and your spine and just begin to notice your breath. And in this moment of stillness, call to mind something that you're trying to figure out, answer, or solve. It can be with you or with someone else. It doesn't matter. And continue to fall still wherever you are. And continue to notice the pace of your breath. Watch your breath and slow it down while you relax your shoulders your neck, and continue to sink into the earth beneath you. You'll notice the mind introduces lots of distractions. That's okay. Keep coming back to the thing you're trying to figure out, answer, or solve. What's this one question? Now in the stillness, as the breath is slowing down and the body is quieting and everything is falling still around you, holding that question in your mind's eye, simply ask, what is the next right thing to do? And be still and listen. It may take a moment or two for the wisdom to filter through all the old answers and patterns and fears. Simply pay attention to your body and notice constriction and wait for the thought that feels aligned. It may not feel like the easy answer, but it will feel right. There will be a rightness or an ah, yes, that's it. And you may even notice trying to wiggle your way out of the answer which is just the fear coming in, just resistance. So allow it, but don't give in to it and go back to the original answer before the fear came in. So 
sit in your stillness, hold the question in the mind's eye, and simply ask, what is the next right thing to do? And be still for as long as you need and listen. Letting all the old answers filter and fall away and wait for that one answer to pop in. And it is sort of like a pop. It's an answer that pops up. You can feel it coming up and in, not down and through the head. So just wait for that answer to pop. And while you're there, continue breathing and opening to the answer and simply allow it to simmer within you. Now the big idea here is you don't actually have to do the thing, right? You don't have to answer. You still may not be willing to, and that's just okay. Notice that deep down there's still that part of you that knows the answer. Whether or not you're willing to follow through is a whole other story, and we could talk about that on another episode. But this is just about learning to still yourself, to hear, to tap into that inner wisdom, to have access to it. So maybe this time wasn't enough time for you and you can go back and take the practice outside of this episode and and simply sit with yourself, holding the question in your mind's eye, asking yourself what's the next right thing to do and be still and listen for as long as you need. Let that wisdom pop up in and through you. And then just sit with it and notice the resistance that might come up and continue to breathe and open to the answer and allow it to simmer in you. Okay, here's the big hack. We often flip coins to help us make a decision when we don't want to make it for ourselves. Flipping a coin instigates our instinctive response because it gives us something to push back against or react to. Try this with the above issue. Think about the issue, choose heads or tails, and flip a coin. And then notice, what is your reaction when you get your answer? Are you happy and ready to go with that answer? Notice how it feels. Notice if you want to go against the decision and you push against it, then you likely already know what you want. When a decision is taken out of our hands and happens to us, it gives us something to react to. And this is how we can get to better know our gut or intuition. Okay, that's all for now. May you breathe easily, take it one moment at a time, and keep doing the things you love. I'll see you next time. The university's executive producer is Tyler Green of thestoryproducer.com. This podcast is also produced and edited by Katie Clarkson. The university team also includes Marcia Craig, Ashwath Narayanan from Culture Media, Adam Harris, and Kim Redding. University is a production of Bring It Home, founded by Anne-Marie Chiresso. You can find out more at A-N-N-M-A-R-I-E-C-H-E-R-E-S-O dot me. Or follow us at Anne-Marie Chiresso on Instagram. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast app and write us a review. It really does help us have more of an impact in the world. Thanks so much for listening in, and I look forward to seeing you next time.